Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Obedient, we are looking at why being rooted in Christ brings about the blessing of fruitful living. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. It was in college that I first was introduced to this theory. Maybe you've heard of it too. How many have heard the theory six degrees of separation, or I've also heard it known as seven degrees of separation? The reason is they somehow calculated that it's 6.6, so I don't know if they go 6 or 7. But the, the concept of six degrees of separation is this. We are connected to everyone, anyone in the world, by a maximum of six degrees or seven degrees of separation. In other words, that person knows someone that you, this person knows that so and da 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 till eventually gets to you. Does that make sense? So in other words, um, a fisherman, a Russian fisherman on the Black Sea is connected to me by a maximum of six degrees of separation. It's a theory that's been tested, and of course, with the, the rise of the internet, it's actually become a little more obvious that we are pretty much a, a connected world. So, you know, like anything else, everything is better with bacon. They took the six degrees of separation, and they added bacon to it and came up with a game. <laughs> Kevin Bacon game, right? How many of you played the Kevin Bacon game? Yeah, so the Kevin Bacon game is basically this. It says, pick any, any actor and try to figure out how they're connected through the degrees of separation to Kevin Bacon. So uh, let's go with someone easy here. So we've got this dude, Harry Dean Stanton, who starred in Alien with this guy called John Hurt, who played Jane Mansfield's car, played in Jane Mansfield's car with Kevin Bacon. You can go ahead and say it. With Kevin Bacon, thank you. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise, real easy. Yeah, Tom Cruise and Kevin Bacon played together in A Few Good Men. So there's not many degrees of separation here. Let's go with this. The Herald leaders Cheryl Truman worked with columnist Don Edwards, who introduced her to Derby attendee actor Tom Hook. Hook anyway, uh, who appeared in Animal House with Kevin Bacon. You see. So you play the game seven degrees, six degrees of separation, you play the Kevin Bacon game, and what you're reminded of really, what you really uh, comes home is the reality that we don't walk on this earth alone. We're created for relationship and connection. Really, we are. And if you think about it, uh, you think, wow, yeah, we really are. And the story of the Bible is that God made, a, made us, human beings, for relationship. The sad thing is, is that when sin entered into the world, when, when things went awry, those rela- that relationship was broken. But then Jesus came, and his role was relationship repairer, redeemer of relationship, redeemer of the connections that we need to give us life. Because we know, again, confirmed by research, this is for sure, uh, loneliness kills. People that are lonely, people that are separated from connection, die. Relationship gives life, and ultimately we're told that relationship with God is the ultimate life giver. And so Jesus came into the world by grace and through faith, believing in Him. We are connected back to God. That relationship is redeemed. God with us is very much the message of good news in Christianity. But it goes beyond that, of course, right? We're not just saved to walk alone with God. No, we're saved, and we've been reiterating this fact over and over and over. We're saved so that we might walk in a family. We might be brought into a family, a community of faith, where we learn to have connection with others. 
We call that family of faith the church. And in the church, we are called to love one another. Ultimately, in this whole dynamic of repair, of relationship between God and each other, the highest virtue becomes what? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love God. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Why is that all important? Well, because we're made for relationship. And the truth is, is that when we are made right with God through faith in Jesus, as we walk obediently with the Spirit, we learn to love others, and the relationships we have with others are repaired and formed and, and, and come to life. And ultimately, being obedient to God, living obediently to God's will and following His Word results in connection. Results in connection with God and connection with others. And you see this in that last chapter of 2 Timothy. We've been walking through the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, and now we're 2 Timothy. Next week we go into Titus. But at the last chapter of 2 Timothy, you see connection in detail. Now, if you follow along with me here, 2 Timothy, and we're here in, uh, I believe it's chapter 4, and we'll read from verse uh, nine. Paul's writing a, a letter to this, his, his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Someone close to them has, has left and it's causing pain, right? He says, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark. And bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Interesting, if you know the story about Mark, you know that early on in the book of Acts, Mark, John Mark was an associate of Paul. He messed up. Paul didn't want to take him again on a trip because he had messed up, and there was an argument between Paul and Barnabas about John Mark. Well, caused a split between Barnabas and Paul. Paul took Silas. Barnabas took John Mark. Well, now we've got many years later, Paul saying, hey, Get Mark, because he's obviously redeemed himself. He's obviously doing better, and Paul wants him to join him in ministry. But, but Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the apartments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Remember, Paul's in prison in Rome more than likely facing his imminent execution. He says then, Greet Prisca and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, also Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Now, we read that and we hear these names and we hear what he's saying. We kind of figure out, okay, I think I know what he's saying. But I found it helpful to, to pull up an, a map of the ancient world and to kind of work through it 
again, really seeing the references that he's making and the places that he's pointing to. And so let's just do that again. Here's a map of the ancient world, and let's just kind of get some depth to the text that we've seen. First of all, he says, make every effort to come to me soon. Now, Paul, can you see that little, wait a minute, there it is. Can you see that little red thing? All right, bouncing around around Rome right up here, right? Paul's in Rome, he's in prison, and he's writing to Timothy, who we believe is there in, in Ephesus. And this is modern-day Turkey, but at the time was known as Asia or Asia Minor, right? He's there, right? And then he says, Demas, having loved this present world, this guy that we both know, a friend of ours, has deserted me. He's deserted me. He's not only deserted me, he's, he's deserted the faith. He's walked away the faith. He can't take the pressure. But he says he's gone to Thessalonica. Thessalonica was this little town here in Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece, right? Then he says, Crescens has gone to Galatia. Galatia is this part of the world here. It's a province. It's a region. Then he says, Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Dalmatia is up here. This is modern-day Albania. Last week, we had a man with us, one of our uh, partners in the mission work. His name is Pino Neglia, and he works in Italy, but also he does work here in Albania, which would be ancient Dalmatia. So that's pretty cool to think about that, Right? It says, pick up Mark and bring him with me, with you. So we assume that Timothy's here and he's going to travel up this way to go to Italy, Rome. And he says, pick up Mark. And he says, but Tychicus I've sent. So obviously Paul had Tychicus with him, but he sent him back to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas. Troas is up here. It's a poor town. That uh, There's a guy that Paul left some belongings there and wants Timothy to pick him up and bring him to Rome. Left with carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Okay, now we just jump down a little bit more to where we get some names. It says, Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household Onesiphorus. We're assuming that they would be living in Ephesus, but maybe they live along this, this journey that Timothy would be making where he can provide that greeting. Erastus is in Corinth. Trophimus I left sick in Miletus. Miletus is right over here. See the little red dot? It's right here. It's really the port town it's the port of Ephesus. And so uh, Miletus is, is really right over here, and that's where this, this kid, Trophimus, was left. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, also Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. Now, I hope this little exercise is not only added to your depth of understanding, kind of give you a, a map, understanding of what Paul's talking about, but also I hope it brings to light and a remarkable truth, truth that... I've been talking about, and that is this. If you are a Jesus follower, you're connected to others, other Jesus followers, right? And you're connected to other Jesus followers not only in your local congregation, but you're connected to other Jesus followers, guess what? All over the world. All over the world. I mean, look at me. I'm not from around these parts, am I? I know. Some of you are like, really? I thought you were from Kentucky. No. Um, <laughs> Right? Africa to England to United States. That's the work of God. And it's a reiteration of the truth that we're connected not only to Jesus followers in our neighborhoods and our church family, but we're connected to Jesus followers all around the world. I can't tell you the many times that I've traveled overseas and I've come into contact with other Jesus followers, and there's an immediate sense of being at home. They might speak a different language. They might have different customs and traditions. But if we're Jesus followers, we're at home. There's an immediate connection, immediate affinity. There's an immediate understanding in, in a deep, deep level. How is that? Well, it's because the reality is, is that 
We're going to share living space one day in eternity with every person who follows Jesus from every nation, language, tribe, country, all over from, from, from the beginning of, of, of 2,000 years in the church. And we're going to spend living space with others whom we're connected to by Jesus, no matter where they come from and their background. You see, we're saved to be connected to God and to each other. And each one of us, each one of us, as we live for God, become, will become more and more aware. And as being a member of the family, not only we are responsible for our family that's local, but I think it's important that we recognize that we're also responsible because of our connection to our family international, to other Jesus followers at different parts of the world. This morning, we're blessed to have with us a brother in Christ from Pakistan. Dr. Salim Massey is with us, and he's in town for the, now um, for the International Conference of Missions, which is going to be occurring in a couple of weeks. We partner as a church with Pakistan evangel Christian Evangelical Services, and we work with them in their work, very difficult work, very challenging work, to share the good news of Jesus in Pakistan, which is a Muslim country. But the reality is, is that we are connected as members of this church, not only because of our financial support of their ministry, but we're connected because we share an allegiance to Jesus, a shared faith. We're connected with Salim, and we're connected with those he serves. And so I'd like for you to give a warm Mount Carmel welcome to uh, Salim as he comes out to join me. Come on out, Salim. Here we are again, Salim. Welcome. Thank you. This is the uh, 1030 crowd. They're crazy people here. <laughs> you got to watch them, especially that yeah. one. He laughs. Ah, that's how he is. So, okay. So, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to have you, and good to have your lovely wife and daughter. Now you have an, another daughter who's a doctor and yes. two, other, two sons. Yes. And uh, you have been working in Pakistan mission work now. We said, what did we say, 30 years? 30, 33 years. 33 years, and it's been quite, quite a work. Let me just jump right to it. Big news, well, if you're aware of this, uh, a young lady named Asia Bibi, who is a Jesus follower, a Christian, um, the big news is that she has been released from prison, been imprisoned because of uh, the blasphemy law, yes. and we'll talk a little bit about that. Long story short is in 2010, she was out working with some Muslim ladies yes. in the fields. Uh, she took a drink of water from the cup for the water that they had. They got upset because she had now, in their mind, contaminated the cup, which yes, they couldn't drink yes. of. Words were exchanged, and they said that she blasphemed the prophet and therefore she was put into prison and was facing dire situation until we had this verdict come from the Supreme Court that released her of that. Now, since then, because of that verdict, there has been an explosion of opposition by uh, Islamic radicals yes. who are very much off the blood in many ways. Um, and uh, that's, uh, which I guess I'm saying brings to light the reality, and just maybe you can touch on this for us, Salim. What's it like to follow Jesus in Pakistan? Well, number one is this. Uh, Pakistan is an Islamic country. Mm -hmm. To evangelize is also itself is a blasphemy. You cannot convert any person to Christian faith. And if you ever insult their book or their prophet Muhammad, 
that is a blasphemy law that you shall put to death now christians are living like a scum of the earth so discrimination is there that you cannot drink from their cups or plates you cannot eat and uh, it is terrible uh, living in that islamic world is like always uh, living under threat and fear mm. so it's not easy and uh, christians are not viewed as uh, uh, great thing you know i i would say that you might say that they are like animals you know mm. so mostly the christians are working for the muslim landlords so living in the islamic country is not easy it's a great challenge and it's also you might say it's a mental uh, mentally you are, you are panic you know sure. so anything can happen to you anytime so t- let's talk a little bit about the uh, blasphemy law it sounds to me like salim the blasphemy law is a a big stick mm-hmm. that people can use to yes. really shut up shut down christians is that how yeah, it's yes, used yes suppose if uh, if i want to f- uh, want to get a revenge from you i can blame anything on you i can say dd has insulted quran dd has insulted their prophet muhammad the mob will come start beating and then the case will be registered you are going to go to jail so there are so many christians those who are in the jail and suffering without any uh, evidence or cause so that is a very tricky law mm. to be used for the minorities especially for the christians because that that does mean that they should remain always in the threat so we have you know innocent until proven guilty but yes. in that blasphemy law if you are a christian you're immediately assumed guilty yes. if the blasphemy law is brought yeah. against you yes okay no even they can you know as i mentioned that they can make a false accusation against sure. you that you insulted their prophet or their book so that is very tricky law how you can evangelize a muslim it is really really difficult but there are some indirect ways which i will can tell you later sure. on but but there are some uh, so this is very directly you are not allowed to preach the gospel or tell them about jesus so basically they want you to keep quiet go yes. do what you're told and be subservient to the muslims overlords yes. and that's it yes and if you do speak up or if you do something that displeases them they're going to manipulate this law True. to put you in trouble yes So let's talk about the work that you do. You've been there 33 years. Um I know one of the big things that that are important to you um is the work of the hospital. Yes. And and I think I mentioned this last week, you know, um having a mission background myself. Um the reality is is that the 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 power of the gospel, the message of Jesus is this. One it tells people no matter who you are no matter what you've done whether you're low caste high caste whether you're muslim whether you're atheist whether you've done this or doing that or wherever you are socioeconomically you value to god because god so loved the world he sent his one and only son so you have value to god that elevates your status not only do you have value to god you have value to share in that god gifts you and calls you to the work and a means by which that message can be communicated is through the ministry of uh of Salim in doing the hospital so tell us a little about the hospital there what's happening well at this present moment by the grace of god we are building a good shepherd christian hospital through that hospital we want to share compassion love and mercy of christ and that is uh, you may say that's indirect evangelism sure. to reach to the muslim 
community. Otherwise, there is no other way. You cannot reach them directly. Mm -hmm. So the hospital will open a door for us to evangelize these people. So I would say that uh, through this hospital, we will have also more doors being opened in different villages where Muslims don't want that we could build the church. Sure. But through this, the, their hearts will be softened and they will also uh, us, uh, allow us to build the church. Like for instance, church, uh, school and hospitals are the best means to reach these people. Like uh, the Chief Justice of Pakistan, mm -hmm. he also studied at the Christian school. Mm. And I would say this is the result of that, that he, his heart was softened towards the Christian and he really boldly uh, made that decision to release Asya Bibi. Amazing. So now the uh, Good Shepherd Hospital is under construction and you've yes. been doing it in phases. I understand mm -hmm. now uh, to complete phase one, you're you know, raising money, 90,000 US dollars. Yes. And if anyone's interested in knowing about that or interested in some of the information regarding that, please make sure you go out and stop by and see Salim. He'll be out there um, at the front with his family. Uh, you can talk to him about that in, in doing that. But also then, once phase one is complete, there will be a phase two, two yes. which is a first floor put on that. And then uh, the vision is, you, have, you said your daughter's a doctor, but also having other doctors come provide care for people in that yes. place, right? Uh, one thing I want to mention that uh, at this hospital, we will uh, also put the cross, which will be 50 foot high. All right. And people will see the mighty cross of Jesus. That's our witness. Yes, my daughter is a medical doctor, and she's at the Jewish hospital. My other daughter is a psychologist. My son is doing his master's degree in health management, and other is also studying. So they will all four go back and uh, the serve at the hospital, but we will have also have the local nurses mm -hmm. and doctors, those who will serve at this hospital. So this hospital will be a great point of evangelism. Great. Now, one of the things that are a reality for Christians is mm -hmm. that we have Christian villages in some of the areas that you serve, and these Christian villages, in effect, everyone is pressed or uh, works in making bricks, brick-making communities. In that making brick community, um, if you read uh, Salim's newsletter, you find out they get a wage, but then the owners take a, a large portion of that, mm -hmm. which ends up that, I think, what, what did you say? Okay. Uh, an average family, how does that work? Let me tell you also, we do not have any Christian villages. Okay. They're not Christians are living... Uh, in Muslim villages, gotcha. Now, like a minority, okay. like 20 homes, uh, 50, 100. Now, okay. they work as uh, brick kilns. Okay. So the, each family gets up early in the morning, and they must make uh, 1,000 bricks, and hardly earn 10 dollars, and because the monsoon comes and they cannot make bricks, so they have to return their debts back. So wow. it does mean that the, each family might uh, bring back five to six dollars to live on. Sure. So economically, they are very poor. And you might say that they are crying in the bondage like Israelites was crying in, his, uh, in uh, Egypt. Gotcha. Well, so, very much so, so. so that is a great challenge for our American friends and churches that who shall liberate them from that bondage. Sure. Now, one of the means in which you do that is that you have a program where you yes. distribute uh, sewing machines and train young ladies to sew 
that then they can sell yeah. their what they make that goes to supplement their income, right? Yes, this is what the program we started at how we can liberate mm -hmm. uh, these young girls from that bondage. So thank God, few uh, people, uh, women especially, American women are really, they take some compassion and they give us money. So we start that uh, uh, sewing machine center. So we train 20, 25 girls for the two years. And when they are being trained, then they can be liberated from that boundary. Instead of making bricks, they can now sew the clothes. This is how we can liberate them. That's the best way to open the sewing machine centers. Fantastic. And another one of those programs is your eye care medical mm -hmm. thing. Um, where you have teams going out to those places yes. and sorting them out. What's involved with that exactly? Okay. Uh, in, in those remote areas, especially among the brick kilns, uh, they do not have any medical facilities. And uh, this is how we try to reach to them. We are not even reaching Christians. We are reaching the Muslims also. Mm -hmm. So they are actually neglected people, and they don't have also means or... Uh, they cannot buy even medicines. So we try to reach them, so, uh, so we treat their eyes as well as uh, uh, medical uh, facility they provide because dust allergies. And sometimes people don't have money so they can have surgery. So we also try to support them so they can go another hospital. But hopefully, uh, year 2020, we will have our own hospital where we have a uh, eye, eye clinic, and dental clinic and gynecology. So where people can come and we can have a minor surgery at our Good Shepherd Kitchen Hospital. Mm -hmm. We have available to everyone uh, resources that gives you more information if you're so moved to, to, be, can, to be aware, to, to find out more of what, what's going on with that ministry. I know Salim has written some papers that are available for you to read regarding the Muslim perspective and their teachings that will give you an understanding a little bit about the attitude of the Islamic uh, individuals, Islamic, I guess, radicals we call them, mm -hmm. but uh, just th that sends up the environment that, uh, that Christians are living in. If you have one thing mm -hmm. that you would like to say on behalf of the Pakistan Christians uh, to us who are brothers and sisters on this side of the world, what would it be? Well, I would say that please pray for their protection. We are praying or worshiping always under the shadows of the guns. And this is very important that uh, please pray for them that we should have a protection from the Lord and also we could carry on this work of evangelism. But mostly let us pray for them that they, we need to uplift them educationally and economically so they should not suffer as a bonded laborers, but they should have a liberty in Jesus. Sure. You know, I think the motivation for this, again, comes back to the reality of what we started out with, right? Um, faith in Jesus is a we thing. It's we. We don't walk alone. And we can say we, we, we don't walk alone because we are made right with God. Faith in Jesus is a we thing. We don't walk alone. We don't walk alone because God walks with us, but we don't walk alone because we're in a family family of individuals, local congregation, uh, family of individuals that span the other side of the world, family of individuals that are even including Pakistan. And hopefully you've just been, been struck by that, uh, come face to face with that, been encouraged by that. 
And I ask that you would prayerfully consider uh, what your part is in, in bringing encouragement in, in hearing this message from brothers and sisters, family members in the faith in Pakistan. I'm going to wrap things up. Uh, I'm going to ask that we stand. Uh, we have members of our prayer team who are going to come down, and uh, they're going to be available to pray with you, talk to you if you have a decision to make to become a Jesus follower. But I'd like to stand and, uh, as the, the 1030 service, give a blessing and uh, bless uh, Salim and his work. Uh, this man is fierce. Uh, we talk, we've been talking a lot about the Apostle Paul, and this man reminds me of Paul. He is ambitious for the gospel because he believes the gospel is the means of salvation to all. And uh, I think we need to, to pray for him and his work and his family. So let's do that. Lord, we just thank you so much for Salim and uh, his passion and his ambition and his fearless uh, pursuit of, uh, of bringing the gospel message to the people of Pakistan, to the place where he lives and dwells, to his, his people. Pray that you would uh, encourage him and bless him. Pray that you would protect him. Uh, when he's home, I'm sure he lives uh, always uh, making sure he's careful what he says and how he says it, um, but also knowing that there's times where he just has to, in many ways, uh, speak out for you, knowing that uh, it puts him in a position where he could be accused of being uh, civilly disobedient. So I pray you give him courage and strength, bless his family, protect them, bless the work they have at Good Shepherd Hospital, bless the efforts that those whom he disciples, those whom he invests in and trains as they go out and, and teach, the, teach Jesus to, to people. We pray that you would help them to be a light. It's truly a dark place, but we know that the darker the dark, the brighter the light. And so we pray that you will bless Salim and his work and, and all that he does. Help him to be fruitful and uh, to have success at whatever you have called him to do and help him to be obedient to Jesus overall. Lord, we thank you for this reminder that we are connected to other believers. We're connected to those who follow you even in Pakistan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.